0: morning. How are we doing? Doing all right? Having a good day? Yeah? God's good? Um, so uh, for New Year's, Debbie and I went uh, to uh, Manhattan Beach, um, Debbie's sister and brother live down there, um, fairly close, walking distance to the beach, which is amazing, right? And they live the life that, you know, I can't live, so it's great. Um, uh, We get to go down and just pretend for a little while, and it's pretty sweet. Uh, But anyway, so we're down there uh, for New Year's, uh, and we uh, went to this restaurant. Uh, It's called, I think it's called Rock and Fish or something like that. And it's like down, like on the beach, right? It's kind of right there. And um, if you've never been to Manhattan Beach, it's just pretty sweet. It's just like all these little shops and stores and and then restaurants and amazing restaurants and awesome, right? So anyway, so we're at this kind of indoor, outdoor little restaurant. And uh, I, I order this seafood jambalaya. And I don't know if you like jambalaya. I've had jambalaya a couple times. It's good, right? You know, I mean, I like it, right? But, oh, wow, right? Um, This was like a whole new level of like amazing. Um, I like started like after the first few bites, just like savoring it. I'm like, guys, I think we're gonna take a little extra time at this restaurant. because I do not want to rush this. This is amazing. And, you know, sometimes we share. No, I'm not sharing. I'm sorry. This is amazing. And you get none of it. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, it was really unbelievable. It was so good. It's like, I don't know. Maybe, have you ever had that kind of a meal? Like, we you just like oh my gosh, this is just so good, right? And you just like sit in it for a bit, right? Uh, it, it kind of reminds me as well, another time where I just wanted to sit in it. Uh, my, it's kind of, you know, weird. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe this is weird. In my, but one of the best days of my life, one of the like all time still, like this is, I'm 50 <clears throat> some years old now. One of the best days of my life i mean it's top probably two or three it may be the top one i mean maybe we could argue about some other events but the best one of the best days of my life was my wedding day all right not only did i get to hang out with my awesome wife but we just had so much fun. It was like her family was there, my family was there, her friends were there, my friends were there, and we all got along, right? And and it was just like the greatest like party ever where we were just laughing and just having fun and we were dancing. I was break dancing and I can't break dance. It was like, yeah, my mom, I, I had this like white pants like my mom had me in this white you know tux i was like i don't want a white tux you're wearing a white tux. anyway so i like left you know i had this like black stain from spinning on my knee on the dance floor right i mean but we just had the best time it was so fun and you know like the bride and groom you know they're supposed to like stay for the reception just for a few minutes and then they leave right no 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 we could not leave we just wanted to stay it was so much fun and we left way too late and we had an early flight to hawaii the next morning And we were like exhausted and First couple days in Hawaii, we're like, eh, "Again to wake up, right?" But anyway, but it, our, it was the greatest day. We just didn't want it to ever end. Uh, remember another time I was at a men's retreat on uh, in Fort Casey on Woodby Island, and it was uh, it, like the Saturday afternoon. We had some free time just to kind of go and stuff, and so I kind of got alone and was out. And uh, on Woodby Island and Fort Casey, there's these uh, there's these bluffs that, you know, it's kind of up above, you know, the beach, right? And and so I'm walking up in these bluffs, and it is windy, windy day. It's like sustained winds of 25, 30 miles an hour, it's just like blowing right at you. And it's like, it's cold because this was like in October. And I was like, man, it's cold out here. And I didn't really have the, the you know, the, the dress for it. And so I'm out there walking and I'm just enjoying this amazing view. But God, I go, oh my gosh, I need to get a somehow, like I'm, I'm going to freeze out here. And I got to this spot on the hill, on this bluff, that it was, I, I'd never experienced it before, but I just kind of walked along, and all of a sudden I found this spot where all of a sudden the wind was gone. Like, literally not even a little puff of wind. And I was like, wait a second, where'd the wind go, right? And I step away, and it's like, it's still blowing, I step back, and it's like, just whatever, there's this little box, I don't know, if somebody with a scientist could say what this is, but yeah, whatever, I mean, it was just this weird thing. And so I could sit there, I gotta sit there for like, An hour. And it was like, I didn't want to leave. I was like, this is such a sweet spot. This is a cool thing going on right here, right? It's windy out there, freezing, but now I get to spend extra time because I found this amazing spot where I could just sit and rest, right? You had times like that, events like that where you just didn't want it to end, right? It, it, It was a time where you wanted to linger, if you will, like you wanted to just hang in that space for a little bit longer maybe an amazing conversation that you had with an old friend that you hadn't seen in a long time and you get back together and you're having such a great time you just don't want it to end but you do have to end it this concept of linger this concept of not wanting to end kind of came up in my study of surprisingly genesis 18 and 19 this week and we see in the story. I mean, this is about Sodom and Gomorrah, right? I mean, come on, Pastor, you're gonna talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, right? We're gonna talk about judgment and all this kind of stuff. No, we're not. We're not gonna talk about that. Uh, we're gonna skip through the judgment. We're gonna skip through. And it's not that like we're gonna. Yeah, it's, it happened. It's part of the story. Don't get me wrong. But in my preparation, I felt like the Lord said, "Wait a second. I want you to see something here. There's something going on." maybe that well, oftentimes we miss when we read through it because we get so stuck on the sin of sodom and so stuck on that drama that we may miss other things that going on and so this is what the lord bring, brought me to and and i see abram abraham now abraham and lot both lingering but they're lingering over something very different And so I felt like the Lord said, we need to draw that out and look at that. So let's do that. But before we get into Abraham too much, I want to take a moment just to remind us of Abraham's history. You see, Abraham was called by God. He was called by God to to leave his home, to, to leave his family, to leave the place where he's comfortable and to go to a new place. Go to a new land that God would give him, but more than that, that God would build him into this amazing nation, have this amazing family, that he he would be blessed and he would be a blessing to the world. And so God had shown up to Abraham then, but God showed up over and over again in his life. At the time of this story, it's about 25 years since he left Haran. 25 years of walking with the Lord, if you will, and he's had some stumbles along the way indeed, but but the Lord continues to be there. And just in the scripture, we see four distinct times when God showed up and either spoke to him or appeared to him. Four times in 25 years, you might go, well, that's not much. But I think, you know, first, that is a lot when you think about what God is doing and saying, but two, I think we should be careful to just assume that every encounter that Abraham had had with God is recorded in Scripture, right? I mean, when I think about what I'm experiencing in my life of 50-some years with the Lord, you know, he's pretty active. (laughs) Like, he speaks quite a bit, I feel like, to me in different ways and subtle ways. And so if that's the way he interacts with me now, I mean... Doesn't it make sense that maybe there was a lot more interactions? And maybe not, but, but I, I think we should be careful just to assume that it's only these four times. Either way, we've seen this development of Abraham's relationship with God. I, I love how James chapter 2 verse 23 tells us that Abraham was a friend of God. If he's a friend of God, again, I would suggest probably because he's had more interactions with God than just four times in 25 years. Abraham knows God. Abraham's comfortable with God. Even consider in chapter 18, the beginning a couple of angels of the Lord and God shows up walking along. And how does Abraham react? Not in fear. Not in, oh, no, here comes God. But he's excited about it. He runs up to him and says, hey, would you guys stay with us for a little while? Can we do a meal together? Uh, We'll get some lunch going together. I haven't done anything yet, but I'll, I'll make it happen if you just stick around for a little while. Right? Abraham wants to spend time with him. He wants him to stay. And so we see that Abraham has this history, this relationship, this intimacy, if you will, with God. 18 verse 1, and the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him, A friend has stopped by, someone that he knows and is comfortable with and wants to spend time with. So he prepares the meal, he and Sarah, and they get it all ready to go, and they have this meal. And in the meal, there's a conversation again about the promised child that's to come and that it's going to come through Sarah. Sarah is listening in the tent and in her heart she kind of laughs at that like oh yeah right now that I'm old now you're gonna bless me and God and the angels and the Lord hear that and they say hey why are you laughing Sarah I know this is going to happen in a year's time you're gonna have a child amazing sweet story but then let's jump down to verse 22 so then so the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. Then Abram then Abraham drew near and said, "Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked?" Notice what happens. They're done with their meal. They've come and they've, they've spent some time with Abraham. And then they get up and they're headed down to Sodom to, to you know, kind of check things out and the eventual destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. What does Abraham do? He's not satisfied with just the lunch. It's like this is such a great moment that he doesn't want it to end. And so he walks them out, but then once they get to the edge Abram stands still before God and draws near to him. He doesn't want this to end. He wants to linger with God a little bit longer. Can we just just stay in this for a little bit more time? This is so great. I I know you've got things to do and judgment to happen, you know, all that. I get that, but... Could you just maybe just wait a few more minutes? Can we just connect a little bit longer? Abraham has such an intimate relationship with God and has enjoyed this visit so much that he can't really let it go. He wants to continue to be near to God. But what we didn't, we skipped over. I want to go back and read because look what God does in this as well. In verse 16, then the men set out from there. So they had the meal then the men set out from there and they looked down toward Sodom and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. So he's first thinking this, talking maybe to the angels. Should I tell Abram? And then he says out loud the Lord says out loud because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave I will go down to see whether they have done what whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me and if not I will know So God's like he's leaving about to leave and he's like, I'm going down, and we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's like thinking to himself, interacting with his, his angel friends there, saying, should I tell Abraham about what I'm about to do? I mean, after all, he is like the chosen one. Like this is, he's going to be a blessing to the world. So should I let him know? Should I engage with him on this? And what's his decision? What, what does he choose? He chooses to do so. He chooses to tell Abraham what's going on. God shows that he desires for this relationship, this intimacy to continue. We see God actually wanting to linger with Abraham as well. He could have just said, should I tell him? Nah, Let's just leave it and then just gone. But there's something in this I think God is like saying, no, no, I I want to have this intimacy with Abraham too. And so actually God is the first one to kind of linger and say, Abraham, Sodom and Gomorrah are a pretty evil place and they need to be destroyed. And so we're actually on our way down and we're going to do this. Do you realize that? And then that's when Abraham stands before God and says, and then draws near to him. And then begins a conversation, an intimate conversation. I think oftentimes our view and from some of the commentaries I've read and some of the messages I've heard um, on this conversation between Abraham and God, it oftentimes is set up as like Abraham is like challenging God or at the very least that Abraham is negotiating with God. Like, God, like, I mean, you're not going to really kill these people, are you? I mean, come on, really? I mean, there's righteous people down there. I mean, what if there's 50 righteous? You're not going to wipe them out. And that's the kind of attitude or that kind of perspective or the tone of that conversation. But I don't think that's what's going on at all. Again, Abraham's a friend of God. God draws him into this conversation. Abraham when he hears what God's about to do he doesn't stand back he draws near to God this conversation is one that's not adversarial at a distance i think this is a conversation or maybe they were sitting on a rock together looking down over Sodom right next to each other and talking as friends and abram Instead of challenging, it's just trying to understand the limits, the limits of God's mercy and the limits of God's holiness and wrath. God, you're, you're, you're a God who doesn't judge the righteous with the unrighteous. That's not the kind of God you are. He's not challenging God He's proclaiming who God is, the character of God that he's come to understand. You're a God of mercy. God, you're not this kind of God that just, you know, arbitrarily wipes people out. If there was 50 righteous in Sodom, would, would you save the city? The whole city, not just the 50. Would you save the city, even the evil, the unrighteous? If there was 45... God, how about, how about if there was just 40 or 30 or 20 or 10? I imagine him sitting on a rock next to, to God and kind of occasionally looking up and what about 20? And then look back at Sodom. There's, there's a unity, I think, between God and Abraham in this conversation. Because Abraham loves the people of Sodom. Even the unrighteous ones. It's not just about his nephew, Lot. It's about the whole city. It's not, will you save just the ten? But will you save the whole city for the sake of the ten? And that's God's heart. Sometimes we can, I've heard people talk about this story and like Abraham is, you know, the, the, the moral one here. Well, because he's trying to save the city. At least he cares about the unrighteous. But God, he's just like, oh, no, I'm going to wipe. No, no. They're both in unity on this. He has God's heart. God is the same way. I don't want to wipe these people out. If, if there were only 10, I would love to save them all. So this conversation is a, is a sweet conversation between friends where Abraham's learning a little bit more about who God is. He's lingering and hanging out and spending time and having this sweet conversation. Hard conversation, but a sweet one. And then we come to Lot in in chapter 16. Hmm. Excuse me, chapter 19. Come to Lot in chapter 19 where... Sodom again is filled with sin. It's a city filled with sin, and this story at the beginning of this chapter kind of lays out how evil it truly is. The angels come to the city, and Lot sees them. They're just going to hang out in the city square for the night, you know, and just kind of pull up, you know, a, a stair step and you know take a nap, right, and sleep out there. And Lot's like, no, 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 you guys come on in, yeah, you come hang out with me, right? Let's be here and and understand that Lot is in this city, but he is not capitulated to the city. He still seems to be the, uh, a righteous man in this. We even see in Second Peter. Uh, look at the reference. Uh, I wrote it down. But Second Peter two six uh, to nine, he talks about this fact that Lot was righteous. And so there's a righteousness, not necessarily because of his works, because, again, Abraham's righteousness was not his works, but because of his trust and faith in God. He believed God, and it was considered, it was attributed to him as righteousness. But, but Lot is not you know, doing the things that Sodom is doing. He's in the city, but he's not really being changed by the city or, or capitulating to the city. But the one thing he's not doing as he's not preaching to the city. He's a missionary who's not doing any missions work. He's in a different land, in a different world, with a different belief system, with a different morality, but he never says anything to them. Instead, he just wants to take advantage of the wealth of this city. This is why the people, the men of the city, when they're trying to grab the angels and Lot comes out and says, hey, stop, don't, don't do this evil thing. And they ignore him. They're like, what are you, wait a second, who are you? You come and live in our city and now you're trying to preach to us? And the reason they're doing that is because he's never said anything before about their sin. Why now, Lot? Come on, you've seen us, we've been doing this forever, ever since you moved here. Why now? Same thing with his son-in-laws. I don't. It seems to me that Lot wasn't even sharing about God to his son-in-laws. Maybe in this situation, because the son-in-laws were like, "What? What? Where's this coming from, Lot? What God's gonna? God? What, what are you talking about? Gonna destroy the city? What? Come on, you crazy Lot!" And so we have this situation, but the angels come, and then I, I I've got to read. Verses 15 and 16 of chapter 19. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Ever since Lot went to Egypt with Abraham, he got a taste for the world and its pleasures. And he's kind of addicted to it can't let it go and so when he gives the first option when he comes back where does he choose to go he chooses to go to Sodom why because it reminds him of Egypt it has all the the bells and the whistles all the glory and the glitz right and he's like yeah that's what I want I want to be there and now in this time when God has come mercifully and said hey there's it's coming destruction I'm going to destroy this city matter of fact hurry up it's coming like now you got to get out of here He's still wrestling with his addiction to the pleasures of this world, to the distractions of this world. And despite the importance and the time, and the shortness of time, what's he want to do? He wants to linger with his stuff with this wealth, with this pleasure. He he doesn't want it to end. He's like, no, I want this. I want to continue to enjoy these things. I I want this stuff. I want to be a part of this. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm shocked by the fact that the angels dragged Lot out of the city. Are you shocked by that? not in the sense that God is not merciful, but that despite Lot's continued desire for the world, like you get the feeling like if the angels hadn't have done that, Lot would have stayed there. What amazing mercy. Lord, may you drag me when I need to be dragged. amazing thing is that after he gets out of the city the angels again trying to draw him to goodness and to god instruct him to take his wife and his daughters and go to the hills go to the wilderness get away from the city get away from the valley and lot very different conversation than the one that Abram had with Abraham had with God. In this conversation he doesn't trust doesn't trust God. The friendship's not there. The intimacy's not there. He's like, no, no, no. I know. I, I don't. I don't want to go there. No. I, I. I. Can I? Can I go to this other city? It's just a small city. Or it's just a little thing. You know. It's, I'm not asking for much. Just let me go to this other city because I, I. at least have a chance of still getting to enjoy the pleasures of this world. There's something there. At least I. I, I know I've lost that, but at least I can have maybe that. Continues to resist. God's drawing himself to him. Continues to be addicted to the world, and the end of Lot's story is not a great one. I think he went to the city, but maybe because he lost his wife in the process. Maybe because when he got to the city and began to reflect, there was a sense of maybe guilt and shame and the recogniz- recognition that he needed to do something different. Because we find him at the end of 19 in a cave. Outside the city, drunk, dishonored by his daughters, and alone. (laughs) Where do you tend to linger? our entertainment world has a lot to offer (laughs) you know just one more episode (laughs) just one more episode right i mean this is so good i love this show (sighs) just one more just one more news article i I just got to read this one more thing I i gotta get through one more Let me scroll for just a couple more minutes. Where do you tend to linger? I love my job. This is an amazing job. It's so fun. I enjoy it. I love being with people. I do as a pastor. Literally, like I, I you know, so much of my job is like the best. I, I really. It's not a job. It's it's fun. Hanging out with people, doing coffee, right? I love coffee. I love people. I love Jesus. All the I mean, it's like trinity of goodness, right? And it's amazing. <laughs> but our jobs, right? I mean, you know, you know, I just need to get a little bit more perfect. If I just spend a little bit more time on this, I can get it done. I can, I can expand and get a little bit better business. I can make a little bit more money. If I just linger here a little bit longer, what are we lingering in? I can pad that retirement account just a little bit more. Where are we lingering? Some of us linger in emotions, right? Oh, I just love feeling happy, (laughs) right? So, like, uh, anything bad, I don't want to deal with that. I just happy moments. Let's stay here. Let's linger in the happiness. Linger here. Others negative emotions. We linger with depression. We linger with sorrow. We linger with mourning. We linger with criticism right self-criticism oftentimes how about comforts i love my home i love my backyard i've talked about it many times i love sitting on my back patio listening to birds smelling the roses right now we've got some uh, we've got uh, like a mandarin bush and it's like it smells so good right um seeing god's creation where do we linger Do you ever linger with Jesus? John 15 is a great chapter. talks about this reality that he wants us to abide with him. To like live our life like focused on him, like connected to him. Like he wants us to be always lingering (laughs) where he is. He always wants us to be with him. That's the way to navigate this world. That's how we get through it. It's not by focusing on our own ability, our own strength, our own you know uh, uh, self-discipline. It's not relying on other people. It's just relying and being connected with Jesus. Do you ever linger with Jesus? Or do you just rush through your devotions, your quiet time, Do you rush through church? Is this just, you know, kind of the list, you know, getting it checked off so I can move on? I've got a lot of things going on this afternoon, so I'm ready to go and do that. Thinking about that all the way through the service? Do you linger in worship? No, I don't like this song, and so I'm 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 distracted. No, I don't like these kinds of songs. I don't like this type of music. I don't like whatever you know, and so we just you know, I'm not gonna linger there. No, that's not fun. I don't like that. Do you rush through the tensions of life? You know, I think so often we have a problem, um, there's so many blessings around us. We have a lot problem, right? We want to linger in the good times, but not the bad times. We want to linger in the peace, but not in the tension. As if God's not in the tension. See, lingering with Jesus has nothing to do with what your circumstances are. Lingering with Jesus is a choice to continue to seek him, to abide in him, to be with him, to become aware of him. <laughs> we have this amazing advantage in our world today, in our life today. And that's we have a helper. We have the spirit. We are one with Jesus. We are one with him all the time. Whether we recognize it or not, he's, he's there. You know, I, I, I love uh, the passage James 4, I think it's uh, uh, 7 or 8. Uh, it talks about, you know, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us, right? Now, now we need to be careful with that because I think some poor theology has come out of that where we have this uh, image of God that he's a long ways away from us, and so if we draw, then he'll come to us. That's not, God is always near. We can't get any nearer. But when we choose to look and be aware of God, he will reveal himself. But this is a this is a great truth. And that's that's next to the verse before that says, flee, resist Satan, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, right? Resist Satan, he will flee. Draw near, seek Jesus, and he will reveal himself to you. Linger with Jesus. We have this great advantage that he is always with us. It's not hard. In a moment, we can all of a sudden go from focusing on the world to focusing on Jesus. In a moment. We can go from feeling like we're a long ways away to actually being right there, recognizing that he's right with us. In a moment. It's not a long journey. It's not like we've got to be, you know, a really good Christian for a bunch of years and then we get close to him. No, it's right there. It's immediate. It's now. We can linger with him in the moment, in every moment. It's a beautiful truth. What a gift. What a great mercy to know that even when we are not choosing to linger, he's still there. Andrea, why don't you come up? We're gonna transition into communion. Indeed, this communion is... An image of this oneness. It's an image of the connection that we have with Jesus. And it's an opportunity to take a few minutes to linger with Jesus. I, I love, I love hard passages, <laughs> and one of the hard passages, the whole chapter actually, is really hard, is John chapter six. This is after, so, G, so Jesus, you know, feeds the five thousand, and like the people are flocking to him, right? And now he's got this massive crowd following him everywhere because like he's healing people, he's feeding them, and all this. And then Jesus pulls out this crazy hard teaching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Verse 53 and following, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh, Jesus says, and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. in this chapter, many leave Jesus because of this, they're like, what, you want us to be cannibals now, like, and so they're just, they can't, they can't handle, they can't, they don't get it, and they just take off, and there's this beautiful moment where Jesus then turns to the twelve and says, you guys, are you going to leave me too? (laughs) Let's read it. Simon Peter answered in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. They'd spent time with Jesus, they knew who he was, they were his friends, there's nowhere else to go. As we come to communion this morning, I want to ask you to come longing to become more aware of the oneness that you have with Jesus. Asking him to reveal himself to you this morning. Asking him to ignite your heart for greater longing for him. To linger with him in more of life. invite you to come forward again to receive the elements for communion. If you would prefer to stay in your seat, again, we do have uh, the pre-packaged elements. Just lift your hand in the air. One of the elders will bring that to you. But for the rest of you, if you would come forward, we'll come forward on the outside aisles. Uh, Pastor Bob will be over here. I'll be over here. Receive the elements, and then you can partake when you're ready to partake on your Andrea will play some instrumental music for a bit and then after a little while once everyone's served she'll lead us into another song and then I'll come back and close our service let me pray and then we'll go to communion Heavenly Father we thank you for your amazing goodness and that Lord you took the first step to communion with Abraham you longed for intimate relationship with him And you long for intimate relationship with us first. So this morning, I pray that uh, the craving in our heart, the desire of our hearts would be to enjoy and become more aware of that oneness this morning. Lord, speak to us truth, but also, Lord, help us to feel that truth as well. Let us... Enjoy the emotion that comes from that. Not necessarily peace, but if it's peace, praise you. But maybe it's a disruption, but enjoy you in that as well, knowing that you are still there. You are there no matter what we feel. You are mighty and awesome, God. And Lord, we long to know you more. Come and meet with us as we partake in communion together. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, 7 and following, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Amen.